Welcome to ATL in 29, the podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard. I'll be joined in a few moments by Tyler Jones to talk about the trade deadline and buyout season. Uh, but I'm recording a little bit of an extra segment here after the Hawks win over the Lakers, and I wanted to include a couple of pieces of sound uh, from today, starting with uh, head coach Lloyd Pierce talking about the impact that Jeremy Lin had on the Hawks while he was here. Do you have thoughts on uh, Jeremy Lin's tenure here? You know, it, Jeremy and I spoke prior to the season, and um, I spoke with every person individually, either introducing myself or um, just the direction that we're headed. He's a guy that was valuable for us for a lot of reasons. Um, you have an experienced point guard, playing with the inexperienced point guard. And so, you know, we called him the stabilizer for most of the year just because we knew what we were going to get when Jeremy was on the court, um, knowing you have a young point guard that's playing the bulk of the minutes. And so that was really the part that was important for us is to, to when Trey was in, you know, let Trey grow. When he was out, we had a steady point guard that we could rely upon. Um, the second part was Jeremy played 35 games the past two years. And, you know, I was with Jeremy his rookie year at Golden State, and I've seen his growth, and I understand kind of where he was coming from after being out for two years. And, you know, perfect opportunity to not come in and have a huge responsibility, but also get an opportunity to reclaim himself, uh, especially heading into free agency. And so I think we accomplished that, I hope, you know, when he leaves and he's gone, but I hope he's able to say this was a place where he was able to accomplish a couple of things. He helped us with uh, with Trey and being that stabilizer, and we helped him get his career back on track. Uh, Jeremy Lin was definitely missed in the Hawks win over the Lakers. Uh, they still won the game, but, you know, there were times when Trey Young was off the floor tonight where the offense got a little choppy. And, you know, it was clear that that they could have used the player that's been the point guard, uh, the backup point guard for the first 56 games of the season. It's it's something of an adjustment. We saw Kent Bazemore and DeAndre Bembry get some time at the point off the bench. Uh, my intuition coming into the game was that Kent Bazemore would see an increase in minutes because he'd be playing some at point and he'd still be doing some, some minutes uh, as a backup wing but that turned out not really to be the case. What we got instead uh, was a lot of Alex Len as the backup center with Amari Spellman pretty much exclusively at power forward off the bench and guarding LeBron James when James was on the court at the same time as him. And then as far as the backup wings went, we saw a bunch of Vince Carter. Uh, it was the first time all season, really, that Vince has been a small forward instead of a power forward. It was something of an adjustment. And so, you know, I tried to find out a little bit if this was going to be uh, something we see more of this season or whether it was a, a one-off situation just for this Lakers game, you know, trying to match up with LeBron and things like that. You were 
were playing some small forward tonight? Did, did, did coach indicate that that was like a one-off thing, or is that something that's going to be a regular trend now? Doesn't matter to me. I told you know I, I consider myself positionless. You know, I just uh, uh, <clears throat> he mentioned it to me uh, today, so he was like, "Hey, uh, I need you on the small forward." So I said, "All right, let's do it." So. I just pride myself on understanding the offense, knowing the play. So it was, it was a little different. I got caught in the, playing the power forward. There was one where Baze was kind of waving you, I think. I was playing the power forward, okay. but I was a small forward, you yeah. know, just because I had done 56, 57 games. Right. So I was just like, oh, man, sorry. Uh, so, you know, but that's that's the, the beauty of our team. We have a lot of veterans who look out for each other. And, um, you know, they just made sure I was where I needed to be. And yeah, we made it work. Was it kind of a neat thing with Baze and uh, DeAndre playing point guard? Just kind of there's more minutes in that spot, or just uh, I mean I played I I play both. You know I played both you now, so it's just I think it's just a luxury you know, that we have that I can play multiple positions. Bays can play multiple uh, positions on down the line. We have a lot of guys from like Torian, so we have guys that can play whenever we get foul trouble. So it's easy just to slide me back into the power four position to move John to the five. So we just uh, we're, uh, we're almost like positionless somewhat, but you know, it, it, it worked out for us, and you know, that's why. We, we pride ourselves on just kind of knowing the offense is something he stressed early. You know, understand, know the offense, and you know, for some guys, have uh, double duty, and uh, you know, it worked out for us. Thank you. All right, let's bring in Tyler Jones to talk all things related to the trade deadline and buyout season, both for the Hawks and around the league in general. Welcome, Tyler. Tyler, what do you think uh, about what the Hawks did at the trade deadline with the uh, Tyler Dorsey trade? And recently, uh, yesterday, the Jeremy Lin buyout. Uh, well, the Dorsey trade kind of feels like they did him a solid. Yes. Uh, just because, you know, he, he probably, there was no path to playing time for him. Uh, but, you know, outside of that, you know, there isn't really much else to really discuss about what the Hawks did. It's probably bigger to talk about what they didn't do, which That's was true. trade anybody. Um, you know, they, you know, they ended up, you know, cutting Jeremy Lin and, um, guess that's to, to be expected, uh, just due to the fact that he's a vet and he probably wants to win and the Hawks, you know, there's. They're just they're still in the rebuilding phase, even though they they were playing better uh, relatively recently. Okay. Yeah, I, I, my gut is that we're pretty much done with stuff now. I think you know you mentioned about the moves they didn't make. They didn't trade Kent Bazemore. They didn't trade Dwayne Dedman. So, I think we're just about done. I don't think those two players wanted to be traded. They both seemed pretty relieved on deadline day. You know, they had a game on on the the day of the deadline. And uh, Deadman seemed pretty, pretty darn happy. He's always pretty chatty and in a good mood, but he seemed particularly bouncy. And Bays, Bays look exhausted, but I think exhausted in a good way. I think he was just, he'd kind of been through the ring arc. You know, he's got a kid on the way. He said he wanted to stay in Atlanta before the deadline. He said he wanted to stay in Atlanta after the deadline. So I, I think that's what he really wanted. And it, it was probably pretty stressful. Uh, waiting for it, but I don't think he's going to be one of the players asking for a buyout. So I think the Hawks are just about done at this point. You know, ironically, with the Lynn waiver and 
the accidental Hamilton not getting the trades lined up in the queue the right way, it's almost like there would be a few minutes for Dorsey. <laughs> Uh, maybe now, uh, probably not though, just because if you look at it, like, I mean, currently Ken Bazemore, I don't think he's cracked 25 minutes since That's his true. return. So it's just, I mean, and like I, I've said repeatedly, I, I still feel that Ken Bazemore's the second best basketball player on this team. And so it's, it's just one of those things where there's just not, there's just not nearly enough minutes for all the guys that they do have. Uh, he, on the he, roster, and uh, and also like Dorsey, Dorsey just didn't fit um, with the team. Um, you know, really with the emergence of Kevin Herter, there, there really was no spot you could put him on the floor that made really any sense. You know, really any lineups sure. that you could play Dorsey with, just due to his limitations. Yep, and I think you will see now that Lynn has been waived. I think you'll see Bazemore's minutes go up. He really hasn't seemed like he's been in a good rhythm for the last couple of weeks, but it's probably a bit of a change for him because he's been playing like 15, 17 minutes a game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been kind of shocking how little he's been playing. Uh, you know, it, maybe he's still working himself back, uh, back from that, you know, high ankle sprain, but, you know, I think, I think the Hawks are just trying to see what they really have with Prince and, and Bembry uh, to end the season, trying to really get a feel for uh, what they might provide for a future Hawks team. Um, but a side note, I I, I wouldn't be like, um, you know, Deadman has a, does have a starters clause in his contract. Right. And it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if, if after he reaches that clause, if he, wants to pursue a buyout because just because like he's I mean Deadman's kind of too good just to be like this this not this not a you know a shot at him like to me like I'd, I'd like to see Deadman on the playoff team um I, I feel like if he if he stays with the Hawks team for the rest of the season it might actually hurt his chances in free agency to get to get you know that one big payday that right. he's been trying to trying to look for and I feel like in Atlanta, you know, he's playing good basketball. You know, his, his defense has been, you know, he's good defensively. And then he, he, he turned into a killer three-point shooter. Like, I, I feel like if, if he goes to a playoff team that really needs that, you know, um, you know, Philly and the Lakers, two teams that come to mind, like, I, I feel, I find that, you know, he'll really explode value-wise. And that'll, that'll really boost his future earnings. So I, I wouldn't be, like, even though he, I, 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 I don't doubt that Deadman is happy to be in Atlanta. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he got basically all the money that he could get here. Right. Um, not to say, not to say it's selfish or anything like that. It's no. just, you know, his, his agent, maybe more his agent making a play like, listen, like the Hawks are willing to do a buyout with you. And, you know, you got to get yourself on the market because for better or worse, teams didn't notice you last season when you were playing pretty well as well. And you had, you ended up taking a, a below market contract deal. You mean two seasons ago? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, last year when he could have opted out, like there was no money. Okay. For, apologies. He could have opted out, but instead he, 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 um, he re-upped with the same deal for the same amount of money, which is below market value for what he is, which is more or less the average starting center, which, you know, is still way more than what he's getting right now. Do you, 
do you think there's some bounce back there just overall throughout the league? Because like, Brook Lopez is kind of, kind of he was kind of in the same boat. Milwaukee picked him up for a song. They they got him for nothing. Do you think that they'll the the center value for the good shooting centers at least will come back up a little bit? Uh, most definitely. I I think teams just completely missed the boat with Brook Lopez because I mean this version of Brook Lopez he might be worth more up to what eighteen mil a season just yeah if you do it in short he, short bursts I, yeah yeah just do the, the how valuable he is to the Bucks like he's I mean, he, he might be the second best player on that team you know his limitations and all just due to his. You know, we, we talked about it before just due to his range of shooting, and Deadman's really coming on as a shooter. Like, he's, he's starting to just take uh, – like, the Hawks are looking for him to trail on trail three-pointers, and it's a it's a money shot. And, like, it feels like it's automatic if he has time and space that he's going to knock it down from anywhere uh, beyond the arc. And so you combine that with his, you know, his movement and his, you know, his ability to switch defensively like – I. I think he's Deadman's, He's not as good as Brook Lopez, but I think he's going to be like if he gets to a team that utilizes him the same way that the Bucks have utilized Brook Lopez. Uh, I, I feel like he's going to really explode uh, for himself. Okay. Do you think the Hawks would want him back? I kind of feel like they might if they, you know, they're not going to probably get into like a four-year contract or anything like that. But you know, something something over two years where they. Maybe even pay him sort of decently. I don't know. Do you think do you think that's something they'd be interested in? You know, as long as they don't draft, you know, somebody at his position, I I could see them. You know, even if he does get a buyout, that the Hawks, you know, try to try to look to have him be one of the big free agent targets uh, for the next offseason, just due to how well he really fits with John Collins in particular. He kind of, right. you know, he he provides the space and defensively. I mean, offensively, he provides the spacing and defensively. You know, he can really, you know, he can be the center of your defense, like lay back, um, play that role. He, like, he's just really versatile on what, what he can do as a defensive player. Now, again, like I said, this buyout talk with Deadman is just me purely speculating. I don't know if that's, that's really what Deadman wants. He could just, you know, want to play for the rest of the season the Hawks. He has said that publicly, um, and I have no yeah. reason to he's doubt got, his work. like, the newborn at home, like, it's kind of it's probably hard to just kind of go on the road for two months. You don't really get a home at that point when you're just a bio guy going somewhere for two months. Yeah, Urson was and, the exception uh, last. Well, I guess he wasn't. He went to Philadelphia, but he was trying to get to Milwaukee, which really was his home, and he ended up in Philadelphia. But maybe I get that backwards. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the deal was with. With Urson Lefty, I I do all I know is that there was a deal that he had multiple deals that he just rejected outright. Right. I think it it was less to do with the with the uh, location, more to retaining his bird rights, sure. which is why he asked for the buyout instead of you know because he had that right as a, as somebody who who got a no trade clause due to you know CBA nonsense. And then he but, did uh, get back to Milwaukee where he lives. <laughs> yeah, so um, I mean. He, do you have any postscripts on the Jeremy Lin? I know we talked about sort of the strategy of, you know, buying him out and where the roster goes from now, but any any big picture thoughts on what he did when he was here or what he's going to add to Toronto or not add to, to Toronto? Uh, overall, I thought Jeremy Lin was, you know, pretty good. Uh, he's, he's kind of been in a shooting slump, so he hasn't been as good as he 
he's been throughout the season. But, you know, his overall impact has been, you know, as what, what we expected, a good basketball player. Um, you know, I think if the Hawks, like if the young guys ha- weren't popping, like if they were just – if the Hawks were like as bad as, say, the Bulls or – or the Knicks are this season, I, I could see the Hawks actually trading Jeremy Lin for an asset and taking back on bad money. Right. Um, I, I think a lot a lot of what happened during this trade deadline had to do with the fact that Trey Young, John Collins, and Kevin Herter have played so well right. that the Hawks don't really want to tie up their cap space into dead money for more for future assets. They they feel and beyond that, they, they also you know, Travis Slank has been on record multiple times saying he, he had no interest in any pick in, in this year's 2019's draft. Right. Um, just due to the fact they already have five and they're not going right. to select five rookies. Right. Um, so it, it's just it's just one of those things where, the you know, the amount of money that Jeremy Lin was making just really didn't line up with the type of deals that the Hawks probably wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you could probably say, and you could really say the same for Baysmore. They're, like the Hawks, the Hawks have been pretty. If the, if the Hawks wanted to get rid of Baysmore for an asset, they could have done that uh, this off season. They could have done it during the season, but the Hawks just weren't going to give Baysmore away just for a pick. Like they they value him as a basketball player and as a you know a leader on the team. Um, even though he, you know currently he's not playing as much as he probably should be. Right. You know they 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 still value Baysmore you know as an asset probably better than the league thinks that the Hawks do. Like I, I could see other teams thinking that you know Baysmore is kind of a a liability on the on this contract, but you know for one more year at 19 million uh, coming up for an expiring, it's not ideal for the caliber player Baysmore is, but it's not. I mean he's still at the end of the day a good two way basketball player, right? Uh, and and so like the Hawks the Hawks probably wanted more value than what teams were willing to give up during this particular trade deadline. Yeah, <clears throat> just to go back to Lynn for a minute, it always felt like, you know, if somebody was doing well, that that player got bumped into the starting rotation, and and Lynn was kind of playing with the spare parts off the bench, the the lineup of misfit toys, <laughs> and he was good at you know running a pick and roll, and his shooting was hit or miss, but it felt like he was you know the turnovers, he turned the ball over a lot. That kind of felt like it was partly his fault, but also partly just the spacing was never great around him because if somebody was doing well, poof, they got popped up into the starting lineup, and you know he always was playing with the worst spacing and some you know some higher turnover guys off the bench where you know he could still run his pick and roll, but uh, if the shot wasn't falling, there was still a high chance that he might turn it over on the way getting there. He he's good yeah. for Trey Young though. You could see Trey advance during the season, and I know a lot of that's Marlon Garnett. That's who he works with in the assistant coaching staff, um, and Lloyd Pierce probably too. But I'm sure part of it was Jeremy Lin. Yeah, and you know I've been I had been particularly hard on Jeremy Lin these past you know this past month or so. But if if you do look at the lineups, there just wasn't any spacing, and the Hawks have made a concerted effort to play Trey Young, Kevin Herter, and John Collins together as often as possible. Right. So and then Jeremy, give them a couple Jeremy of shooters. Never, yeah, and so Jeremy never really got the benefit of, of those lineups anymore where he, he was basically getting the scraps. And, <laughs> um, you know, for better or worse, like Jeremy, like, you know, 
so some of it was lineups, and also some of it that you know generally isn't the most cerebral passer for a point guard. It's right. Just, no. It's not a strength. Sure. It's, it's just not a strength. His it's, his strength know, is you, scoring. Exactly, and you you see the difference in how the Hawks offense is ran with Trey Young on the floor compared sure. to Jeremy Lin. So, but you know, in Toronto, he's going to play with better teammates. Right. He'll most likely be in lineups that feature more spacing and. Will you know, he he'll be put in a. Won't he get like the OGN and OBs uh, and Pascal Siakams? I mean, I guess they have Gasol now, but. I mean, the the difference is that you know in Toronto they'll they'll be willing to play. Excuse me, play Jeremy Lin alongside Kyle Lowry or okay. Fred VanVleet when he gets healthy. Like they'll they'll go into two guard lineups just because sure. they have the you know they have the defensive wing talent to get away with that. When you have Kawhi Leonard, OGN, and Obi, Pascal Siakam, Sorry. you know he's more of a power forward center. But when you have those type of athletes defensively, you can you can get away with playing a two point guard lineups, which is probably Jeremy Lin's best role as a basketball player. You know, sadly here in Atlanta, we just didn't like you. You just couldn't play Jeremy Lin and Trey Young together because the rest, the rest of the back end, the the, the three guys behind them just weren't stout enough to really cover for those two uh, two liabilities defensively. Well, I just got kicked out of the arena. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, so not kicked out like all the way out of the arena, just out of the bowl. And I'm not really sure where to go and record. Hmm. All right, it appears that we are still recording. I will edit out that gap. All right, so uh, turning our attention to things that happened league-wide, were there any trade, deadline day trades that, that jumped out at you as... Uh, Particularly noteworthy. Uh, the Tobias Harris one was, you know, fascinating just because you know the Sixers are going all in on this team, and you know I think, you know, with Tobias Harris now, that starting five is a real problem matchup nightmare for teams where right it's kind of, you know, you're going to have to pick, like it's going to end up being teams are going to have to end up picking their poison on who is supposed to guard who because Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, and Ben Simmons can all take advantage of physical mismatches. Right. And then, you know, Joel Embiid is Joel Embiid. And then you got J.J. Reddick running all around on offense. Like, that's, that's a problem on, on both ends. Um, you right. Know, and I, I think the, the Sixers really boosted their chances, um, you know, to, uh, you know, make it to the NBA Finals. Also, you know, getting Mike Scott and, and Boban, uh, you know, they're not – they're solid role players in their particular roles, which is something that the Clippers just didn't have at all. And the upgrade from Tobias Harris from Wilson Chandler can't be – you know, it can't be overstated how much better a basketball player Tobias Harris is. So, I think I'm the ready. Sixers, you know – you know, the Sixers gave up a lot. Yep. But – and the Clippers got Clippers got great value again for, you know, the Clippers have have turned into a basketball team that they trade they trade their good basketball players at their highest peak value, and that's you know that's just smart management for a team that, you know, while they they've been solid for the past couple of years, you know, they're not really close to winning a title, and so right. they're doing what what those what those types of teams should be doing, which is 
selling off their assets with their value as high as instead of, you know, not necessarily just paying them fair market value when their contracts come up. Yep. I mean, if you look at what they got, you know, still talking about the Clippers, if you look at what they got for Blake Griffin, you know, they got a huge package for Blake Griffin, who was basically, in my mind, just a neutral asset. Like, Blake Griffin is fine, but if you pay him that much money, it's not like he's any great bargain. Because if you pay him what the Clippers were paying him, he should be your best player. And when Blake Griffin's your best player, your ceiling is probably, you know, halfway decent playoff team. And they got a haul yeah. from the Pistons for him. And then Tobias Harris was part of that package, and they turned him into another haul. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's you know, the Clippers are doing what they need to do. And, and at the end of the day, they kept their cap space for this, you know, upcoming free agency. Um, also, I just want to hit on, like, you know, the Bucks and Raptors also beefed up their their teams. Uh, Marcus Gasol, on a per-minute basis, probably isn't better than Jonas Valanciunas. But the the difference to me is that Jonas, you could really only play him 15 to 18 minutes a night to get his peak value. Whereas, you know, Marcus Gasol, his, you know, his shooting plus his defense and his ability, you know, he still – he can still, you know – cause problems on both ends of the floor in ways that Jonas, while he could absolutely just brutalize, you know, small ball lineups, there are, there are just, there are just some lineups that he can't be on the floor at all where Marcus all can just do the, his, the versatility in his game. So I think the Raptors did well. I think the Bucks getting Miritich for two second round picks is just, I think it was four. I mean, the Buck or four. Yeah, you're right. It was four. Um, the Bucks are just, you know, they're doing great work. As well, beefing up their beefing up their roster even more with even more shooting to surround Giannis. So, you know, the East is going. The best teams in the Eastern Conference are going all in, and uh, you know, it's going. This, this the Eastern Conference players are going to be fascinating uh, in the second round against yeah. all four of those teams, with with the Celtics included. Going back to the Sixers, talking about what it'll look like in the playoffs. I think, you know, if you look at what they did last year when they had Covington, they. And when they had Boyd Pierce, of all people, you know, they did a lot of switching on defense. And Tobias Harris, he's not, you know, he's not some kind of magnificent defender, nowhere in the stratosphere of Covington. But I think just having a, a versatile athletic guy who's 6'8 and kind of middle-sized, I think it's going to enable them to, to do a little bit more switching, uh, you know, on the plays that don't involve Embiid if they don't want to do it when with Embiid's in the pick-and-roll. But... I just think that's going to give them a lot of defensive versatility while boosting their offense at the same time. I'm, I'm kind of liking that team. They overpaid, but they had to overpay, and they're, they're timing their assets to get them all on the same timeline. So while they gave up some stuff from the future, they know that their window is now. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, that's a great point on switching because if you want to compare it, like, Compared with the Hawks, when when they try to switch, and it's really like it just, it just becomes a nightmare. Not even necessarily because when Trey Young switches, like he he tends to like they the Hawks have done a pretty good job of switching him off of big guys when that does happen. Right. It's really you know for better or worse, Torian Prince and Kevin Herter can't grab you know defensive rebounds over guys that are bigger than them. So when John Collins That's switches right. on the small guy, the ball goes up. That, you know, all of a sudden the Hawks can't grab a, a defensive rebound. Right. And so that 
like that's a problem that the the Sixers won't have because all those guys like all those guys are big, strong, physical, athletic. Yep. The type of guys that you need in order to employ that switching scheme, which is what they're going to have to do in the playoffs. Um, just due to the fact that that that's the NBA now. You know, um, at the highest level, you know, Kyrie Irving is just too good of a shooter to even give him an inch of space. So you you constantly have to switch up what you're trying to do defensively, and it's probably best that you do switch um, depending if it's light-sized guys and all that good stuff. <laughs> yep. Well, it's going to be interesting. Uh, anything else you want to add here before we clock out? Um, you know, hopefully, uh, this is before the Lakers game. Uh, hopefully the Hawks, you know, show up for the home crowd. It's been kind of disappointing that the Hawks came back, you know, playing their best basketball and kind of laid, what, three – is it three eggs in a row now? Three eggs. Oh, actually, speaking of the eggs, you know, over the last weekend, your Twitter account was melting down during the games. You want to mention anything? I don't want to. You, you don't want to go there? No, I don't want to. It's not. You don't want to talk about, like, the one rebound in 37 minutes in the one game and the one rebound in 30 minutes in the other game or anything like that? I mean, there, there's nothing else to add. Uh, I, I feel like if you follow me, Jonesy2x4, or if you – like, there, there's nothing else There's nothing else to say. We've been saying the same stuff about, about it for the past year plus now. So, I mean, it's just – it is what it is. Um, it's just frustrating as a fan to watch it. That, that's all I'm going to say. It, it, it really is frustrating. Okay. Uh, will the Hawks beat the uh, Knicks Thursday? Knicks losers of 17 straight? <sighs> if they keep playing like how they've been playing, <laughs> no. Because uh, right? they can't get a stop. Um, I, don't, I don't know what's changed. Why now they've they, they morphed back. I mean, sorry, I do know what's changed, but it's whatever. Uh, like I said. So it's just, <laughs> you just can't escape it. It's just what the team yeah, so... Should the Hawks change their starting lineup? Yes, but they're not going to. Okay. Uh, just because, like I said before, like, you know... And, and by the way, people, we're, I'm talking about Torian Prince. Uh, he's just been frustrating. And really, he, him in the starting lineup just doesn't work just because now you have three... Like, just, you know, you have three defensive liabilities on the perimeter. Right. Uh, that's... That's just the nature of the situation. And, and, and three people that don't rebound. I mean, I, Herter exactly. has the potential, but right now he's not. Yeah, he's just – he's too weak. Like, you he's see it, he'll try. Like, he does – he does – like, you can see it. Um, but And, and you Trey know, Young's been you better started, as a rebounder, I should say. Like, the last exactly. month or two, he's gotten better. Yeah, okay. and, and it's not – it's like, those two, it's not like they don't try. They just right. physically can't. Torin is just like he just goes his mind goes blank when the when the ball's in the air for some reason and he just just stops playing basketball. It's it's maddening to watch. Uh, I don't know how you correct that type of behavior, but it's been going on for really since his rookie season and it's probably not changing. And really his inability to grab a defensive rebound really is probably the most damaging thing about him. Um, as a defensive player, you know, combined with all his other weaknesses on the defensive end. But 
You know, rebounding is such, like, defensive possessions just don't end if you can't grab a defensive rebound. And when it's just, if John Collins and, and when John Collins, Dwayne Devin, or Alex Lynn aren't in position to grab the rebound due to either switching or being on the perimeter for whatever reason, the Hawks just are kind of, have been SOL and they just begin creamed uh, when they do get stops. And, and even beyond that, the like the guys, the guys on the perimeter just aren't putting enough physical pressure on the ball handlers uh, into pick and roll or in isolation. Like it's just been, it's just been, quite frankly, not good enough. And ideally, you'd like to see uh, Pierce stagger these lineups more, but you know, it's one of those things where it's, this is probably we're probably at the point of the season where a lot of Lloyd Pierce's lineup decisions may be out of his hands and. You know, that's probably for the best, considering what the Hawks are trying to do long-term. Okay. Uh, I, I have a gripe about All-Star Weekend. Go ahead. Uh, trying to cover the Rising Stars Challenge, which is Friday. They do media in the morning, so Friday morning. The Hawks have a game Thursday night. I know it's not a long distance <laughs> to get from Atlanta to Charlotte, but I have a game here Thursday night. They give out credentials in a hotel that's downtown next to the Spectrum Center starting at 9 Friday morning. And media availability for the Rising Stars practice is at 9.30 in some other basketball arena that isn't the main Spectrum Center. So I've somehow got to get from Atlanta to Charlotte, get to some crazy hotel in the downtown at 9, and then get to the Rising Stars uh, a few miles away. (laughs) At 9:30, I'm not really sure how I'm going to pull that off. It's it's not the greatest setup, but I will cope, and I'll hopefully you know be able to cover and, and find out what's going on there. But I'm I, I'm not crazy about the Thursday night Knicks game. I, I would I would wager you aren't because that uh, I mean driving to Charlotte is not a bad drive, but. It's not a great it drive. That like last a, part when you get yeah, to Charlotte is crap. Drive, yeah. That last half hour is yeah, crap. Exactly. <laughs> and it'll be rush hour, so we'll see. Ah. Yeah. Oh, Good happy birthday. Man. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it wasn't my birthday. It was my birthday last Everybody week. in the room just <laughs> turned and looked at me when I said that. What, what, was, what, was the, <laughs> what was the trade deal that made you happiest on, on deadline day? Because your birthday was the trade deadline. I personally didn't have to pay for dinner uh, that day. That was that was the best trade deadline deal. Right. That was the best deal of the day. Excellent. Uh, other than that, um, probably that Miritich one just due to, you know, four second-round picks. While those are a lot, you know, for a Bucks team that, you know, doesn't really have a need for picks at the moment, you know, it's, that's great value for somebody as good as that. So I, I go with the Miritich deal. I like it. All right. Thank you, Tyler. We'll do this again soon. No problem, Kevin. Have a good one. You too.